I don't talk to enough people because everyone I, I, I talk to is uh, usually not present. So, cause, what do you mean not present? Well, I work in the funeral industry. Oh, what? Yeah. Okay, hold up. Back the <laughs> fuck up. You work in the funeral industry? Yeah. Uh, it's a fam- family owned. So my dad's been doing it for like 30, like almost 30 years. And um, yeah, I just, my dad's been doing that like ever since I was kid so like never had never had a problem with it um started working there when i was 17 so i was the talk of my high school just like being like oh where are you going next I'm like oh, i'm gonna go to work for two hours i'm like oh my gosh what are you gonna see and i'm like probably nothing because at that time i was scrubbing toilets doing i was the maid i was the chambermaid wait <laughs> so funeral business like you guys host funerals do you guys like take care of the bodies like what is what does that entail so being so being working at like a funeral home so there was there's a lot of different jobs with that um so like what what my dad does is he he goes out and meets with families after like their love like the loved one has like passed away okay um and you know we just it's a it's not it's not as complicated as like most funeral homes would like to make it out to be because we try to make it as simple for families like most most places they want you to go to their facility to you know meet make arrangements my dad's like you know what i'm gonna bring us to you so yeah. he'll come he'll come to your house and you know he'll make he'll want to make he wants to make you feel so comfortable that you like you don't have to worry about you know like like because you get a vibe from a funeral home where you're like this is eerie. You're already and in a bad place. You're already in a bad place because it's like it's a yeah. place that nobody ever wants to be, but you have, but you have to because that's part of life. Yeah. So my, so my dad, you know, for doing it for so long, he's just like, well, why don't I just make it more comfortable for these families because it's not, it's not about us being comfortable. It's about them being comfortable. And if you make that environment comfortable for them, um, you just it makes it stress makes it stress free. Yeah. So, but I started doing that when I was 17. Um, still doing it now, but you know, for me, I'm just, you know, starting to learn how to meet with families. Cause you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful yeah, with how, how you come. There's a lot to that. You, it's a, a certain way you had to come across things like, you know, for, for, for most of my job, I was on, you know, tra- a transport team. And a lot of the guys that we have on our is close friends of mine. And some of them are musicians, some of them, you know, are, uh, striving actors. That's my brother, brother-in-law I'm shouting out to. So, Hey, Christopher. <laughs> so, um, but all of us, like, we're all like a tight niched group of people and there's only like maybe 10 of us working Damn. like together. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a sad, it's a sad job, but I enjoy being able to help families because oh. it's just one of those, it's just one of those things that, you know, you, you, you never want it. And, when it comes you need somebody there to just be like i need take care of it yeah like i need help and we're like gotcha yeah wow so but um probably taught you a shit ton of like skills regarding like how to speak to people how to be professional i mean what what better situation to learn how to be professional right you can't slip up in that like well that's i mean that's how i've gotten a lot of different side jobs is because of how i've had to like main how to maintain myself i mean That's how I ended up getting the gig at Groove International. Well, I was going to ask you because, like, I, I wanted to know because we met at Groove. Yeah. I wanted to kind of know, like, how you found your way into that. So I'm going to give you the, the nice and easy point of how I got that job. Easy point. M- easy point. My, my bud, uh, David Dross, he, we were bandmates, friends, and everything. And he was doing Groove with John at the time. And he stopped kind of doing it because he ended up starting working with me more. So he was just having a harder time with that and just focusing on his band, um, No Advisory, which I was also part of. I can talk more about that as well. Um, but he had hit me up one time and said, hey, like I have this like I got a friend of mine that does, you know, stage managing stuff. And he goes, I think you might be a great hand at trying to learn how to like be like a stage hand and stuff. And I'm like, okay, like that's not like, that sounds cool. Like something where I'm like, cause I never, cause at that time I wasn't really familiar with the different at, like aspects of the music industry and how to do certain things. All I yeah. knew was, is that I get up on stage, I plug in my guitar and I start playing. Like yeah. that's, that's how I knew. I didn't know like what's behind the scenes and how do you come, come about doing a show 
And, you know, I was just like, well, I mean, it's stage handling. Like my biggest thing is like, I want to make sure that I know how to, like, if I'm, if I'm playing, playing a set, I want to make sure I'm getting on and off stage in a timely manner for the next band. So I had a very strong care for that. And, um, with David, he was just like, yeah, let me hit up John and I can get your guys' contact info. And John and I were talking with one another. I think he was more hesitant with me because he never really met me. Yeah. But I don't think he actually even knew how old I was at the time of doing this. I was barely 21 doing this. Oh, my God. So when I show up and I, you know, did the first first one, um, it was at the Federal in uh, North Hollywood. And that show was great. It was fun. It was an, it was easy stage handling. And I was like, all right, this is awesome. Like, this is going to be Was that really where cool. we met? You know what? I think that is where we met. I think we met at the Federal. That was your first show? The first show was I was doing at the Federal, and I think that that was the first time wow. I had met you. Yeah. So that's the it, one where I got really drunk and I was like dancing in front of everyone. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. We met there. Cool. Yes. <laughs> and I don't think anybody would have ever known that that was my first time ever doing it. And I just did it so what like so easily, like so easily that I was just like, I mean. When you're somebody that already plays in plays in bands and you see kind of how like the stage goes, it's like, all right, this goes here, this goes here. It's like, all right, just piece everything together and boom, you got you got the set so, and everything. So what is so if you had to like define what a stage manager is like as a job, what is that? Basically what a what sta- does a job entail? Sorry. The job entails um basically you're making sure that you're helping you're helping the band that's gonna be on stage to make sure that they're on stage, everything's plugged in, everything's turned on, every every level is is right. And you wanna make sure that they're prepared to go on stage and, you know, have an awesome time. And I, I noticed whenever I've done shows, I've met a lot of different stage hands that um, or stage managers that uh, weren't probably the most kindest of people at times and really you know aggressive. I don't and aggressive and there's sometimes I don't blame that because it's like you deal with a you can deal with you, you deal can with deal, fucking musicians you're dealing with musicians okay <laughs> like we're like when you got somebody with a with a bad ego you're just like oh, oh, God, you're yeah. just like all right we're just going to we're going to make sure that you know we're you know it's it's running fine but you know you get those people that just don't want it to run as smoothly as you'd like so sometimes you have to put your foot down but I, but I never really wanted to do that with bands. But with, even with trying to help the bands getting on stage, I wanted to make it comfortable for everybody that came in. It's like, hey, like I value you as a musician and I value your gear. Like I remember this one time, one of the bands that were playing, this guy was their keyboardist, never wanted you to touch his gear at all. Didn't like he was very like, I don't want anybody to help me out. Nobody. I can do it myself. Yeah. But I just started talking with him, just like, hey, man, like, I like that gear that you got. Like, what stuff do you have? And just like, treat just, him like a human. Just, yeah, just treat him like a human, just like, and just shooting the shit, just like being like, dude, like, that's cool gear that you're having. Because with every show that I did, I, I there was nothing that I was seeing. I, there were so many different bands with so many different ways of how to perform with the gear and everything, where it's like, I didn't know that that could work out with this gear or, you know, with yeah. everything all put together. So I would just, I would always make bands feel very comfortable. And I, that's how I met you. Cause I was just like, I'm just like, I never want anybody to feel like they weren't supposed to be here because when you make that environment like that, you're just like, why am I even here? Like, why are like, yeah. if you guys are going to treat me like shit. Like why, why am I even going to, why am I even trying to perform here? Like yeah. you guys obviously don't care. And I'm like, well, I care. I want to make that. I want to make that clear and evident. And that was that was the biggest thing with being a stagehand is making sure that you give that comfortability, understand the equipment that they're using is valuable to them as much as you, and making sure that they're cared about. And yeah. I feel feel like a stagehand is somebody that should make that environment easy for them because you know, I'm carrying big old cabinets yeah. really expensive gear one time guy was like this is like my ten thousand dollar guitar like please be careful with it and i'm like sure thing and i'm like holy shit <laughs> i'm like i'm like i'm carrying the equivalent of every piece of gear i've ever had yeah in one and i'm like all right so but that's kind of what a, basically a stage hand, hand to me is is just making sure that you get that gear on stage make sure that the band is happy with how everything's set up making sure that their levels are right and then handing it off to the sound guy, which hopefully is having a good night because he's your he's your hit or miss when it comes to yeah. your set. Because I'm here to make sure that the groundwork is level. 
everything else, I'm like, please be nice. Like, please be cool because I really hate, I really hate when it's like, I'm good. And you're like, all right, we're good. And, and they were like, I don't like this. You, you got to change this here and there. I'm like, Sound sound guys are are something else. It's like a different breed of human. And I give them a lot of appreciation Absolutely. for it because but you, in but it's just like you can't you can't be like <laughs> you can't be like the the right hand of God being like I control everything that you're doing and if you piss me off, I'll make your sound worse. And it's like like don't do that. Don't well cuz so many of them are like so many of them act very uh, pompous and very like like I don't have time for you, but it's like dude, you're getting paid to have time for me. Yeah. And like, like you yeah. need to do your job. And there's and there's a hand, and there's a handful of guys that are like that and but I've met a lot of great I've met a lot of great people that are sound guys. Like I remember doing a show and one of, uh it was at Skate Lab that was in See Me. And we put on a huge <laughs> we put on a huge show. It was called uh Jam for Stein. It was all word of mouth. And we ended up getting a punk band. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Strung Out. Have you heard of them? Yeah, we Dude, got we got nice. we um we got that show going. Um, uh, my buddy my buddy David was really good at connecting with people, mm-hmm. and he somehow got in contact with Strung Out, and he was like, he goes, I really want to put on a show with you guys because they're originally from Simi. Yeah, and so they're like. Yeah, I mean, we got to figure like we can figure out something. And he said, well, actually, our buddy, you know, he's you know diagnosed with cancer and everything, and we'd like to, you know, we'd like to put on a benefit show for him. And if you put on a benefit show, like we'll play it, and all the all the proceeds will go to him. So uh, my buddy David's like, free show, all the money goes to him. It's gonna be awesome. So yeah. he's like, all right, I'm in it. So we did the show and. Going back to the sound guy, the sound guy that we had, I mean, he was phenomenal. The place that we were in at Skate Lab was just this huge, huge area that can hold, you know, a thousand people, probably no problem. Yeah. And we had all the space and he just knew, he just knew his shit. And when I, where did you find him? Was he like through Strung Out? Was he through this? It was actually, um, our buddy, um, Rob who owns uh, stage one music in our town. So like instrumental music, it's fa- it's family run. There's stage one that's in town that he, uh, Rob, he helps out with a lot of the shows that are around like see me and everywhere. Very much a community, awesome. a community man. And he's, he's a close friend of mine as well. That's yeah. actually where I get a lot of my gear. So shout out to Rob as well. I'm doing shout outs. Cause that's go for it's, it. Shout out fun, everyone. It's man. a, it's a fun, it's, it's fun, <laughs> fun doing that. <laughs> go for it. But, um, no, he ended up hit, hitting him up, and he's like, he's done a lot. The sound guy did a lot of professional shows. I mean, the amount of people that we we were having putting on this show, it was almost feeling like, like we were doing some like a like a legit show. Like I've never had to experience like a professional show like that because yeah. you know these guys are you know they've toured everywhere. Yeah. So like I mean even this even the state the stage manager of the night was the the stage manager for Pennywise. Holy shit. So like I'm brushing past him and he's just going ham on everything and I'm like okay I understand there's a difference of like a community stage manager and a professional manager. And was it just another level? It's a whole nother level. Like I'm like I could never get to that professional level because it's like you have to be so scrutinizing and so like like, cause at that point you're dealing with pros. So pros have, some of them have bigger egos. So he's just like, shut the fuck up. We are, we're going, we're going this way. We're doing it this way. You're going to like so, it, whether you like it or not. Like, so do you think that you don't, do you think that the way you approach it? Cause you're so, you're, I mean, I've dealt with you. You're like one of the kindest human beings ever. You do exactly what you described. You make us feel comfortable to be there. You make us feel happy to be there. Like we're wanted. Yeah. And I think that's a very important at any level. Do you think that like the guy, the Pennywise guy that you saw that night, do you think that it's possible to reach that level and still have that caring attitude that you have? I think you have, I think you can because, uh, there's, I mean, I never met, I never met this guy, but his work, his work mentality was so professional that I'm just like, I'm blown away at how this guy is managing everything. And you know, he's, he can be calm, he can be calm and collective, but then he can also get really serious. And I think, you know, you have to find those. You have to find those moments where it's like, you need to be nice, but you also need to really put your foot down. And there was a lot of times that happened when doing groove that I've had to put my foot down, and I hated doing it, but I had to. 
So here's here's what here's what I noticed. Um, well, first off, in the professional realm, I imagine like no matter how big their egos get, like when they are at that level, like they don't need a stage manager to make them comfortable. They're there, you yeah. know. Stage manager needs to like be collective and calm, like you said. But when you're doing groove, like you have these young guys, like even you know people that want to make it, their ego. For me, I feel like the ego's bigger there because they're like compensating for so much more, and then they see someone kind like you and they want to walk all over you. Yeah. So do you? I mean, do you have any horror stories with that? I mean, I feel like that because I I met a lot of bands through Groove that I was like, you guys are dicks. Yeah, like, yeah. Who the and hell? I, and you I guys think, suck. And so. I think and I think you were at one of the shows that that actually happened. And um, yeah, because I mean, they started doing the shows at the Foundation Room in Anaheim, which in my mind literally screams, if you're putting on a show here, you're gonna get people that are gonna want to like the high the high status of like i'm in the foundation room like i want to make this thing like i want this stretched out like crazy and there was this one band that had played and um they all, i only saw them play once and i remember it was it was me brandon and i forget who else might have just been the two of us just working that show because there was only you only need someone running the door running the stage that's it it's a pretty convenient venue yeah it was it was easy to put on a show putting on a show there working with everyone that was there but this one band came in and this guy just like comes in and is just starting to demand so oh. many things like it was like i was told by john that i was gonna get like we were gonna get a bottle of jack and we were gonna get paid 500 dollars. and i looked at him i go john never told us anything like that and that's never he promised. said that he said that to me already buzzed like he was already drunk walking into the venue what a, and was he part of a band or yeah he was and he was making himself all like out big and everything like he was like this big fancy fucking guy and Ugh. it it comes to find out he's the saxophone player in the band he's not even the like the lead guy he's just he's just like the guy that's like in the background like like waiting which I give credit to those guys because there's a lot of great bands that have, you know, instrumentals like that. But I'm like, this guy was a sax the saxophone player being a dick. I don't know who this guy is. And you're just coming out. You're just coming off all strong. Like, you know, you know how this, what the how, the, how this is going. And he was starting to like hang on all these like girls and trying to be like super, like try to just, just basically being a dick. And like, I'm not an act. Like I remember the, the star. And I remember the guys at the house blues were like, Hey, you need to calm this guy down, or else we're gonna we're gonna kick him out. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to him right now. Damn, dude. And I, I hate confrontation. I hate it so much. That's why I have that persona of like I want to be nice to everybody because I hate the confrontation. What a brutal job to have. You hate confrontation. I hate but confrontation. You, know what? <laughs> you did a great job though. I mean, I've never seen anyone handle. I mean, musicians suck. Yeah. We're we're the worst. Like, you catch us on a bad day. We're upset. I mean, I. I mean, I, I like to think that I'm pretty easy to work with because I just like I'm very simple act. Yeah. But like, you know, when it, I know guitar players are amps or, you know, strings, you know, drummers. Oh, it's got to be here. I need my uh, I need my snare. I need this. And I mean, for you to put up with that, you did an incredible job of being caring and collective. But well, I don't know. I don't know I how think... you do it. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Please continue about the big fucker. I will. Uh, I will say I will say that working at bars doing shows getting a couple drinks and you really helps that out yeah <laughs> I, I feel like it's cool respons responsible drinking folks responsible drinking <laughs> on the job but i remember because this guy because like he was just bugging the shit out of everybody and i i had to put him to the side and i said hey man like you need to calm like you need to calm down like the venues come up to me and they said like we're gonna kick like they're out. gonna kick you out and i go i'm responsible for you as the band if you start acting up the venue will kick you out and I'm not in control of the venue. If they kick you out, then you're yeah. not playing the show. And that's when he got pissed. He goes, he's like, what the fuck do you mean? I, I, I you're telling me I can't play the show. And he was he got mad get, at that. I feel he, like that's what he, he was like, getting. getting. He mad. was getting in my face. And I said, and I, all I, and I was just like, or you can just leave now. I said, you can leave now, or I'm telling you now to calm down. I said, which one would you like to yeah. do? And the, Worst part about it was is that he was the only member in the band that showed up early. Oh, so he was the other band wasn't even there. The band wasn't even there. Oh my and God. we and when they and when they showed up, I was livid and I said, You need to control your guy right now or else he's gonna get kicked out of the venue. The venue's already told me that they're gonna get kicked out. Did they and, were they like totally cool? Like, oh my god, they, they were used to it. Oh, they and this <laughs> singer without missing a beat goes, Fuck, not again. <laughs> like and wow. he storm he storms into there 
pulls him out, walks him outside, and is just like berating him, like, dude, like, not like he goes, this is too many times this has happened. Like, you need to calm down. And he ended up calming down. Um, How old were these guys? If you mind me asking, like, if oh, you were at a guess, I'm pro- they were definitely older than me. I mean, I was, you know, what this like, was thirties, fifties, you know, late twenties, maybe late, okay, mi- so- mid to late twenties. So I'm just like, so there's like this, this were they a headlining act? No, they were like the third to last act. So, but I will give them the benefit of the doubt that they were really good. And I remember, because I think John had shown up later on that night, because I think, I think he was saying he was going to swing by, and he saw them perform, and I told him about everything that was going down, and um, and I and he and he goes, these guys are these guys are really good, and I go, yeah, but the problem is like they got they problems. This is a problem, like you know, this one guy is causing a problem with everybody, and you can't. You can't have that in a band. Like, as much as you can have, like, confrontation between each other, one person can't stand out and make things worse. And there was it was terrible because they were really good, but then I remember, you know, afterwards it was like, we don't want them to play anymore. And I was just like, fuck, that sucks. Because I was, you know, at one point, because I was just like, because they were being, like, the guy was being so rude, I'm just like, I'm hoping you guys suck so you guys don't come back. See, that's the problem. See, right there is such a huge problem, though, because, like, when you go, I mean, music's a beautiful thing. Like, we, oh, it's yeah. a wonderful thing. We have like, we get to share it with each other, playing live. So we're playing the fucking foundation. I'm like, that's a huge step for a lot of people. Yeah. I, like, it's a great experience to show up and dis shit on something that is just naturally amazing. I mean, look at what that causes. Immediately, it takes someone that's shown kindness and says, "Now I w- now I hope that your music is terrible." And that's yeah. not a bad thing to think. I mean, that's just the initial reaction. Yeah, and I and like you know, after they played, I was like. You guys are really good. And like I came up to them and I said, "You know guys, like without everything, like you guys are really awesome. Like you guys had a really good sound." It Compared, just sucks that co- you guys are assholes. It just it was just like it sucked that this had to happen because like and I feel like that happens with a lot of bands. You get that you get a good golden shot and then there's somebody that along the way just goes, eh, "I'm just going to do my own thing and I'm going to mess that up for everybody." And it they don't, you know, a lot of them don't intentionally walk in and try to do that, but you know, it's just that's where, lo- it's in, bad attitudes. It's just a bad. It was just a bad attitude, and that was probably one of the worst, worst times. Um, I, I will say karma struck struck that guy really badly though, because um, <laughs> he didn't have money on his card or cash to pay his um, bill. His bill. And after the show, he was just scrummaging around like, hey, man, do you think I get a couple bucks here? And I'm like, sorry, man, I don't got any money. Seriously? Yeah, he was going around. and like, Oh, wow, that's a fucked was, up think, person right and there. I think his, and I think his phone had died at the show. So he was, like, trying to reach out to people and stuff. And What a he, mess. It was such a mess. And I was just kind of like, you deserve this. Like, you deserve, you deserve like, you know, you're being, you're being a dick. And now I'm just like... Come in making claims like you're gonna get free alcohol and pay 500 bucks for a fucking 30 minute set, like eat yeah. shit, and then by the end of the night you're asking people for money because you overdrink and can't pay your bill. It was See, bad. He ended up coming back like a few days later and end, ended up like getting it paid off. They just held his card, held oh his card and like char- charge him. But the venue, the venue hated him. Like if he were to just go in on a regular day, they would have been like, get out. So that was the only time I've ever had to deal with somebody in that regard. I've dealt in other situations when gear stopped working and like getting getting that figured out because I had one time. So gear stopped working like because of something that you guys plugged in or their gear just wasn't their, working. Their gear wasn't working. I and remember they took it out on you. Not necessarily took it out on me, but they were so like, oh my gosh, like what am I supposed to do? Like, well, because they asked us. There have been so many times that people played at the show, and it was it was put in the contract. Oh, sorry, you're good. You're good. <laughs> that there was a drum kit, there was a kit, and a bass amp, and that was that was what was supposed to be given at the show, because amps are so particular. Guitar amps are so particular. We can't just if in that case we have to bring like five or six amps just to be accommodating to whoever's playing. Yeah. So there are bands that would show up and just be like, be like, you know, uh, where's the guitar amp? And we're like. There is none. They're like, what do you mean there's none? John said there was going to be one. No. Nope. Nope. And I remember one time there was like three bands in one night that did not bring an amp. Did one so, of the bands lend the amp? Yeah. It was like one of like the first bands. So it was like one of the first bands. So they had to stay all the way to the very end. Which normally 
like you want to save like if you're playing you want to support the other acts now the problem with groove and the problem with those shows that i had was as i continued to play more of them it started to become more like whoever can pay to play whoever can sell enough tickets gets to play it started to feel like you got you know there wasn't like a sense of these bands are good and lineup because i mean in my experience with groove in the year that i played i could probably I, mean, I can't name the names, but I can remember two acts that I actually liked. The rest of them were just like, why are you here? Yeah. And like that, I mean, that's why I say like every time I'm like, you're one of my favorite acts of all time. And like, Thank that's you. why like I come, like I, I go to your shows when I can. Cause I'm just like, like you're the best, like you're, you're <laughs> the best out of everybody. Like no, just no disrespect to anybody else, but like you, you like you shine the most. And yeah, I mean, that was a big thing because I remember talking with John a little bit about you know about some of the bands that were playing because i was noticing that you know he was expecting big draws from these groups and then he realized and then realizing that these bands weren't really doing it because a lot of like a lot of bringing the draw because some of the bands that were playing there were like older bands that had a lot of skill and a lot of talent i'm talking band people that are in like their 40s and possibly 50s or something like that just old, the older generation one of the bands i remember and, was an older crowd was an older band from the federal i think it was your for that show you're we talking about yeah they were and, kick ass yeah and they were they were great but the the audience nobody was there for them yeah and i mean maybe like a like a handful of people but it was like you're this awesome band, but you can only bring you can only bring like X amount of people, and that's and that's what's tough about when you have show when you have shows like that when you when you do to pay to play because you want to you out you know you sell your tickets and you make sure that you people show up, but you know where you where we live to where like the foundation room is. It's an hour and a half it's with an no hour traffic. Half. I would leave at one o'clock on a Friday. I would not get down to um, the House of Blues until four. Yeah, yeah. It was a three. Hour, it was a three-hour drive, and oh my gosh, it was it was a nightmare trying to get down there. But once I got there, I was like, "Cool, I'm here for like the next nine hours." Like, well, see, that's the other thing. Like, I mean, the shows went really long, and I, I dug it. But like thirty-minute sets, and I I understand like the idea that you need to cover the charge of like booking the venue. Like John had to like you know he had to cover it, and a lot of that money came from the band selling tickets. But it's like if that was the case, and like promoters have a tough job. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just one of the hardest jobs, especially in LA. I mean, props to anybody that can pull that off. However, I don't like it. I don't yeah. like finding anybody that can pay it off. I work my ass off to be damn good at what I do and step on stage. And that's, I mean, stepping on stage is a huge thing to me. And these people just get a chance to step on stage because they paid enough when there's good bands out there that just you need to search for them. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. For me, it's like to have fucking 10 bands play in one night. Mm -hmm. and to have maybe one or two acts actually be good is fucking frustrating because what does that do? I mean, are you kidding? I would show up, I'd open this night, I'd listen to one band and be like, fuck this, I'm leaving. Yeah. Like, why would I stick around for bad music guys that, like, literally just want to take photos at the House of Blues and claim they played? Yeah, and that was... I mean, like, I know I know how hard it was. Like, I get it. It's a hard venue, but... It's, it's a hard... There was no growth. Venue. The hard, The hardest thing about living here in california and this is what john had actually had had talked to me briefly about he said getting people to a show in california is impossible. like is pulling teeth and he goes and it's not necessarily because of the bands it's because of the people yeah people aren't at in california it, it's so it's so much of like if it's not the latest and greatest then why am i even trying to do it like why like yeah. why is this even happening because you know he would tell me because he start when he started doing the shows in new york he was saying, he goes, people just show up. They didn't even care who was playing. They just showed up to the show, and he'd have a sold-out show. And he showed me, like, the like he showed me, like, how the shows went. And he, I'm like, that's insane. There's, like, 300 people in this place. No, I mean, I, I love no following problem. the page because he would post, like, even the, I mean, San Diego, not even, but, like, New York was, I mean, I would see the New York shows, like, I'm, holy shit, how is it not that? And, like, I get it. It's hard down here. Yeah. But I think, I think, like, I think there's a way around it. And the, I think with the approach that he has in New York, like, and most promoters have, like, promoters, you just can't have that in L.A. It's not because your fault. It's just because L.A. sucks. I think that, yeah. yeah I mean, people aren't going to come see your show. There has to be some sort of incentive. Like, I don't know. For me, as a, not even as a musician, as a fan, I think if he booked, like, half the, sh half the artists and gave them 45-minute sets with, like, longer time in between. That would, that, would, that would work out a lot. And I think Like, I think thing, more people would show up to that. And I feel the other thing is too is your location, like you're in Anaheim, 
why are you trying to get somebody out from Ventura County to come out and play the show? Like, like we live in Ventura County, but like every time you played the show over there, you had like your handful of friends that would show up and it was usually the same. It was the same. It was the same people. I'd have like 40, 50 confirmations of people coming. And then the people that could actually get there in time for my slot, maybe 10 or 15. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just one of those, like where you're based in your location. Cause I remember, I think, what was his name? It was another acoustic guy that, that he was he was good. His name was John. Did he cover the that Tool song or the yeah? I think it was John John Haggerty. Yeah, I think, I think so. He had a really so, cool but voice. He, he lives in Anaheim, so for him, getting people to the show is not a problem. Yeah, we live hour and a half away. Most people are trying to get off work by the time the show's starting. Yeah. So you know, it's it's all about you know the the timing with how. Because, like, the show would start at 6, but I'm like, like, usually, like, you know, like yesterday, I, I didn't get home until 6 yeah. from work. So I was just like, like, if I was trying to go to a show, one of my buddy's shows, and they started at 6, and they're playing at 6.30, I'm like, I- I'm missing it. Like, I can't, well, like. Well, I mean, out here, it's a lot more spread out, too. So to be able to get someone, like, you know, say the New York show, like, someone could get off work at 6, the show could start at 6.30, and they can just go straight from work, right? Like, it's probably not going to be as far. Yeah. You know, it's a different vibe, and like, like, cause I love what John is doing. I think what he's built is incredible. I think to come from being homeless in a car to building like a, one of the coolest. I mean, I remember the first time I played, I was like blown away. I was like, I didn't know things like this happened. Like, he's the nicest guy I've ever met. He's got the nicest stage manager I've ever met. He's got <laughs> badass venues. Like, this is really cool. I was like, but the actual quality of like the artists playing, of the you know, because put it this way, like, say I have an opening act, right? I bring thirty people to a show. Are they going to stay the rest of the night if all the bands suck? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's not John. It's not, I mean, it's not necessarily John's fault for them sucking, but like, you know, maybe do longer sets, find bands that can pull off longer sets, find bands that have bigger followings. Like, you know, reach out to them. Oh, yeah. Because that's what the other clubs do. The thing, the thing that John has that the other clubs don't have is John is mobile. Yeah. He's putting on events that people only wish they could have at their, at their venues that they, and they can't go anywhere. He's doing it all over the place. He's growing. Yeah. And there's great bands out there. There's bands that deserve that stage. Oh yeah, and I totally on the same page with with you about John. Like I that that man has such a great work work ethic and just yeah. how and just his his upbringing on how to do everything. I mean, yeah, sleeping sleeping in a car, like from sleeping in a car to having basically a penthouse in in San Diego from you know working yourself for the last decade or more just building up your status and it's insane and i mean just meeting him like he's just you know he's an incredible like person he, like he comes in like with warm hand, like like open arms just so like warm on just like everything like and I remember first meeting him, and he was he he felt a little intimidating at first because he like he comes up because this was like my maybe my second show, my second show, and um, he comes up and he's just like, "Hi, how's it going? My name's John. It's a pleasure it's a pleasure to meet you, Tom." And he's just telling me how to do everything, and he's just like, he's very much to the point about how things need to get done. Yeah, he's and, incredibly professional. And so, it's so wonderful. He's just like he goes, "Hey, I just need to make sure you get the band on stage right now." Make a minute goes by. Hey, how's everything going? Everything going good? All right, sweet, perfect. And like, just, just very flowy, very good. And just, so I was very nervous. About you never it first. expect people to be that professional. Yeah. I love it. And then I remember one time it was after Infinity War has come out. I won't spoil anything if anybody hasn't seen it. But if you haven't seen it yet, I'm like, you need to, you need to, go you need see to see it. it. Like, and I remember, and I remember going up to him, and it was like maybe like my my fourth or fifth time like talking with John. I was like, hey, did you see? Did you see Infinity War? And I remember him just looking at me going, I don't want to talk about it. And like, he was so settled about everything that hit me. He goes, he goes, he goes, I was so devastated and just everything. And I'm just like, he's a human. I'm like, he's a human. <laughs> well, see, I mean, him and I, him and I like hit it off right away. One, he's from the area. Two, I'm a very like kind of aggressive person, but like very to the point. Yeah. And him and I just connected and meet like boom, boom. I was like, I was like, I wish every show could go like this, which is why like I'm I'm so supportive. Like I had to stop doing his shows because I was getting shit slots and I couldn't afford to bring people to fucking Anaheim every time. Yeah, you know that's that's on me. That's fine. I'm just not interested in that. But like 
I fully support what he's doing because one, like all the stuff I said, he pulls up, puts on a great show. He's, yeah. you know, he's the kindest human being. He's incredibly professional. He brings in people like you, like all that stuff. But it was just amazing to me that first time I met him, I was like, who, like, you're the guy running this? Like, why are you so nice? I, I would, if all venues were like the way that John does everything, how how he gets the stage managers, the person that's running the state, like doing just all the different things that he does. If every venue was like that, oh my gosh, it'd be a paradise. It'd be such a paradise. And it'd be, it'd be a very different world for yeah, the music industry. Like just having that niceness and everything. And you know, a lot of the time, and a lot of it, when people aren't nice, it's because they've been dealt a shit hand with terrible people. And that's just I how- played some shitty fucking bars in L.A gigs everything venues even just shit places same here same it's, here there's there's some shows where you're just like man i'm definitely not supposed to be here definitely am not not in any way shape or form so it's okay i played a show you ever heard of the silver lake lounge no i played a show there they reached out to me i played a show there and i get there and uh they gave me like a 6 30 slot and they oh. said like oh it's the only slot that's open we have a whole night of music i showed up i kid you not the bar was maybe like half the size of this, like maybe the size of this room, right? And then a, a small stage that was probably like this high off the ground <laughs> with like this sparkly glamour curtain in the back. Other than me and my two buddies that drove down with me, there was a bartender. And I was like, is, I forgot the name of the guy is here. He's like, oh no, he'll be here later tonight. So I go on stage and like three other people show up, play about 10 minutes of my show. I'm like, fuck this, I'm going to eat. <laughs> I was like, That's well, I was, I was just, I mean, I, I, oh. I should have played the whole thing. I was just really bitter. I was really pissed. I was one of like the first, like one of my first shows, uh, at least in, in Silver Lake in that far, that far down. And, uh, I, but the thing is I had talked to the guy, he's like, oh yeah, we have all these bands playing. Like you can open it up this cause you're an acoustic act, you know, same thing. And it made it sound like there's going to be this big show. And then sure enough, I went down the street. I ate literally an hour and a half later. I came back and once again, there's another dude with an acoustic guitar playing to like two people. I'm like, see, that's the problem. It's not that we can't. It's not that we don't bring people. Like, like we 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 do our best to bring people. But like, if you're gonna call, reach out to musicians and claim all this stuff and have us come down and that sell a certain amount of tickets, blah blah, blah and then we show up to a venue, we're not gonna want to play there again. We're gonna become bitter. Like, p- promoters and venues always want to say, oh, bands don't bring an audience. Oh, they're not good enough. It's like, look, everyone has their part to play. Oh, yeah. don't think that it's you're. It's just to blame on the musicians or blame on this. Like, everyone has their part. Oh yeah, and that was that was a a lot of the times what happened when we were when I was doing um, no advisory with uh, with my my buddy David because we'd play it like we had a show that was at a place that no longer exists. It's called the Chop Shop, and they Thanks. did, and it was like a bar restaurant, and then sometimes they would do a show and they'd let bands play, and they had played, and no advisory had played like. I think two or three times prior to like what happened the time I played. Yeah. And it was totally cool because it was known that there was going to be a band playing. It wasn't a, it wasn't a typical venue where they had insulation on the wall so they could, so it reverberated everywhere in this place. So it was loud, but that's just how the band was. It was always just loud and hard. Well, we played one time and we started with our first song, finished the song, manager comes over and says hey we need you guys to turn it down a little bit like people here aren't liking like liking the music and i we kind of like looked at her like but you said it was okay for us to play like that's a bad part on you for like i'd leave and like we're like all right we'll turn down a little bit we turned down a little bit as much as we could so it was bare it was you know bearable play the second song she comes over she goes you need to turn it down some more or else you're gonna have to leave and we're like we turn off our amps at this point if we had if we had to be any quieter. So we tried playing one of our calmer songs that's not as loud. And when at the second point, she gets anymore. on stage. She goes, "No more music anymore. We're done." And I and I looked at her and I was just like, "Screw this!" Just yeah. I was so I was so mad. I would have left the first time she said it. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding?" Peace. Because I was just and I was just like. It was a terribly it was a terribly run place in the first like in the first place because I can officially say it doesn't exist anymore so it was terribly <laughs> ran it was terribly ran so I'm I'm have no remorse saying that because I'm just like doesn't exist so it's like 
<laughs> everything was run yeah. totally ass backwards. But it was just like we could bring a crowd, and there was people there to see us. But well, like, even with your own crowd, they still the, wanted you to shut yeah, down. Huh? Yeah, they still wanted to shut down because they because everyone in the restaurant didn't like the way didn't like the sound. I'm like, it is 10:30 at night, and like at this point, who the fuck cares? Yeah, like who cares? That's such a load of crap. See, I mean, that's and that's why it's so nice. Like you know, I'm just pouring compliments on you today. But like I've I've played. I mean, I'm a, I'm a solo act, so I deal with everything personally. Start to finish, I deal everything personally. Oh, and I've yeah. dealt with so many shitty people, stage managers, booking agents, bartenders. I mean, you fucking name it. You know, yeah. John was a fucking godsend. And like I said, I don't think he's living up to his potential. I think he needs to be going a little harder. I think he needs to get bigger bands and he needs to make that push because he can. He oh, yeah. d He's fully, fully capable. I think he can put on an even better show. Um, also, you, like you, you were, you gave me a lot of hope. Because <laughs> up until like the when I up until I started working with Groove, I've been doing LA shows all the time. Man, I'm just some of the shittiest situations, you know, the pay your dues kind of shows. I'm not, and I'm I'm not some like you know I don't I don't shy away from things. You know, a lot of the owners try to like you know muscle out these musicians and are like you know puff out their chest and be angry. I I've no, I'll scare you right back. Like yeah. I I got so tired of having to go play shows and before and after shows, like literally almost getting in fist fights mm -hmm. with these fucking owners because they were one treating me like shit, treating someone with me like shit, or not paying me. Oh. I almost had that. I almost fucking beat. I I took some oh. guy in his back room in a in a bar one time. Oh god. Um, <laughs> I got paid, <laughs> uh, but like you know, after all that, like here I'm like, oh shit, you know, up, you know, upgrade the House of Blues. And all of a sudden, John's there, and then I, I start talking to you, like, oh, you can put your guitar here. Like, we start, you start talking about guitars. It was like the nicest experience I'd ever had. It was literally one of the most hopeful things I've ever experienced. And I realized that, not even realized, but like, I reassured myself and like, hopefully, the world that it's not just the bands, it's not just the venues, like everybody, everybody in the chain of command, whatever it is, the stage manager. One good attitude will literally change everything. And that's trickle down and change everything. And that's what I strive for. Like every time I'm just like, I don't care if you have set, had such a terrible history yeah. with, with other people, but I'm like, I'm not those people. I'm me. I'm showing you my genuine self. And this is how I like, this is how I talk to everybody when it comes, when it, when they come through, I'm just like, I'm just open arms, just like wanting to talk because, you know, that's that's just what I I, I don't want to give any bad vibes off of people. I just don't I don't like that. I yeah. don't like I don't like I don't like being the person where it's like, oh, that guy's a dick. Don't want to talk to him like and I can't and I can be a I, I've had my I've had my fair share of those glory moments where I'm like, I probably shouldn't have been a dick. But, you know, I, I was like, You're human. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I guarantee you those bands that played all those shows played just a little bit better because they felt a little better because one person was kind to them. Like, you know, uh, John had an easier night. The bands did better. You know, every, everything just I'm telling you, like, it's literally like this chain reaction. And it's amazing because, I mean, how many times I mean, you're a musician, how many friends, how many bands have you been in? How many people do you know that have played shows that said, oh, it was it would have been a good show. I just this guy pissed me off. This one person really pissed me off and it just kind of got at me. It's like, how different you think that show would have gone? Multiple shows. Take fucking studios. You walk into a studio and one guy's a dick in the studio. Fuck it, you're not going to get your take that day. Yeah. It's like, it's such a sensitive environment. And it's like part of the job needs to be like kindness and a good attitude. It's a very difficult thing to do. Yeah, because like you want to, like you want everyone to be, you want everyone to be helpful, be kind and everything. And, you know, everybody want everybody wants that. But the biggest thing about that about the whole thing is like it's not just them that has to be nice you have to be nice yeah you have everybody. to be, you have to be kind so like if they're being if they're being a dick like give them a second like give them a second they might just be having a bad day if you talk to them cool and collective they're like their mood could change and, yeah. if, it does, and if it doesn't well you still well, think like, there's a lot of the acts are, they're probably nervous too yeah like there was so many times when people would be like this is our first time ever playing a show like this oh, and i'm Jesus. like and i'm like all right stay calm be collective like you're fine i go here's the stage like everyone's here for you like yeah. no one's out here to be against you if someone was out here against you they're stupid because they paid a ticket to come see you <laughs> like so i'm just saying like no one's coming to a show to sabotage yeah well i mean except for i think uh i think 50 cent did that to some some dude 
Forget, forget. Did you hear he that story? He bought all the tickets in the, the stadium uh-huh. so he could show up by himself uh-huh. and say, fuck you. Yeah. Who forget- was that too? Gosh, well, I forget the guy. Oh my God, that is the greatest. I'm gonna but- I was going to butcher the name. I was going to say uh, Ja Rule or something like that. I, I don't think it, it was. I don't think I, it was. I, I don't think it was. Like, I feel I, like if someone knows, <laughs> like, I think, it's, I think it's, you're some, right. it's some rapper that like dissed. Like dis fifty, and he goes, dude. Well, you screw- do not fuck. With- <laughs> you don't mess with that dude. The the dude got shot twelve times and lived to tell the tale. Well, he's also like, forget all the ghetto shit. Like that guy is just hardcore. Yeah. Like there's nothing he doesn't do. He puts his mind. He's one of those people. He puts his mind to it. It's gonna happen. Yeah. You cross him. It's like, all right. Well, now you're gonna get fifty cent. Like, yeah. That's it- fucked up. Yeah. He goes. He goes. There's no famous persona anymore. Like we're gonna go. We're gonna go. And it's like, oh crap. Like that's what a lot of people like forget like i remember <laughs> watching the movie are we there yet with ice cube <laughs> and i and i was like he's such a, he's such a funny guy and, and like i remember like my dad like saying like he goes he wasn't always like that and i'm like well, what do you mean and all of a sudden you, you know I, and, I, and i was just like i was like ice cube and i was like nwa what is that and all i just you know listen to the first song it's like fuck the police coming straight i'm like oh shit okay and you start reading the history like wait a minute how did this happen and i didn't know and i was like Oh crap! Like I didn't know that this guy was like, sh- like straight up like yeah hardcore like yeah. hardcore, and that was you know that's a def- that's a huge defining point is that like you know you forget like people people forget that like people are people, so no matter how famous you are like still a person if there. you're still a person like like people who like try to like try to rag on like different people like if someone wanted to go like up against like the rock i'm like are you stupid of posting that it's like you know that dude has enough money to fly to your house demolish your house and then be like here's 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 money to uh fix that see i don't think i don't think they'd waste their time with it but it's it, but it's more importantly it's like you know take the good attitude kind of thing good good attitude is so important because it's like no matter how famous and how no matter how much you think that they have that you want that's still a person that has things and is responsible for things and has to wake up. And so when you start posting shit or you start saying shit or you have a bad attitude, that will trickle. That trickles into everything. It bleeds into everything. All these fuckers. And it's like just because they're so far away, they're so famous and so big that they'll never come to me. It's like it's not about you you know, getting you know, what, what you deserve. Yeah. It's about you putting that shit out there. Yeah. You know, because like, how many times did you have bands come up treat you like shit, and like you didn't, you didn't get payback? Yeah. Like, but being having being shitty back to them wasn't gonna help, was it? No. And that's and that's a big thing when it comes when you when it's like if you have a problem with some somebody, like why are you trying to escalate it even more? Like, like what are you gonna get proved that you were you right were that you're gonna like, win something? There's no yeah, prize here. There's there's no <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to do that. So that's why I'm just I'm always just like boom like i don't i don't want to i don't want to start that stuff so i'm going to switch gears real quick because i want to i was really curious when you sent me the email of like you know a little short bio i always ask everyone to send me you started off by saying that you started out at 13 and you hated music yes so uh, that's the first fucking thing you wrote to me yes (laughs) i was like what a way to start this email i want to know what the hell does that mean so (laughs) how do you just start and hate music so this is to start it off how why i even wanted to start playing music let me start off with that part because i didn't add that in there i was in sixth grade and there was two guys up in my class that knew how to play music and one time the teacher said he they asked the teacher at recess they could bring in their their music their their gear and play some music and teacher's like yeah sure thing no problem and they show up to school and it's nothing fancy of like gear that they have but they were very like for being 12 like they yeah. like we were you know they were just phenomenal and all the girls in my class were just like oh my gosh that is so awesome oh, they were 12 they're, i'm and, so and, happy to hear that and, girl still liked it and they were like that is so awesome and they're like clinging on to them and stuff and i'm and i'm just sitting there going like let me get in I'm on like, that i'm like fuck i really want to play so my first real reason why i wanted to play because i was like i really want to get girls like you know and, i hate to say it but a lot of people that's why they started and like i and so it was after i graduate after i graduated and i was like and i was 13 i really wanted to learn how to play and my parents like out of the blue just got me just the straight up like 
like Squire Strat with yeah. the amp kit. Did it come st- in the box? Yeah, came. <laughs> but they had opened it up and they and they showed it to me as a gift. They're like, "This is your like, we got you a guitar." And I was so ecstatic because it was a complete surprise. Like it wasn't Christmas, wasn't my birthday. It was just like they just got it. They just yeah. got it, and I was in. I was just so amazed. Hell yeah! And I went in, and then they're like, "Oh, we got you some lessons." And I'm like, "All right, sweet." So I was first off just trying to gonna learn how to play and i hated it and the the reason why i hated it is because i didn't realize how much work there was needing into playing like i didn't think it was going to be challenging i was like oh yeah i got pick up on stuff easily yeah. music was not something i picked up on really quickly so like like the first two years i just genuinely just hated practicing like how to make a chord how to like just do single notes how to pick properly <laughs> I hate I hated oh, it. Man. I hated it so much. But like at the same time, like that's what being a musician is. Like you have to work the grind. Did you and did get... you love the music though? Like was there ever or are you just doing it because you thought it's what it was cool? I actually like once I got the guitar, I was more I was more thrilled to really start playing now. So I was like, like I want to do something like, with it. Like and I really wanted I really wanted to play. But when I got to learning how to play, I'm like, I really don't like playing music. I like listening to music, but I don't like play I didn't like playing it. But over the years, I just, I, it was like, all right, just work this out, like work the grind, like try to, you know, keep practicing because that's what you have to do in order to get better. And I was like 15 or 15 or 16. And the place I was doing practices at, they wanted, they wanted the kids that were doing practices to meet other, other players that can form together and make a band and do a recital. It was stage one, stage one music. And they had a uh, rock and roll high in Agora, and that did oh. the same thing. It's kind of the same thing, but they ha- they had done it in um, in Simi. Yeah. And I remember going in, and at that time, I was familiar with how to play, and I was really trying. I was really trying. I was pushing into something that I was unfamiliar with, that I really was striving for, which was trying to write and really yeah. understanding how to play. And at that time, that's where I met. Um, the two the two guys that we ended up forming a band called Honest Liars it was that my buddy my buddy Hunter was on drums and my buddy like Colton on bass yeah dude's a phenomenal drummer like he's 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 very talented and so is Colton like that guy could rip on bass like crazy and amazing acoustic guy as well and we had we had done this thing together and like the first song that we did together was smell uh no no sorry not smells like Teen Spirit in bloom and that was our first ever song that we learned together and it was so you get that like like whenever you've gotten that experience of like that music high hell yeah like i got that and i was like i don't want this to end like i want this to keep going and we did the recital and it was a complete i'm gonna give it a a 60 40 it was 60 percent good 40 percent bad because the guy that we had that was putting it all together his name was his name was george foster the guy is a phenomenal guitar player, but on a personal level, he's uh, he's something. Mm-hmm. So, actually, if if you really want to know who this guy was, he was the guitar player that was in the you've seen Wayne's World, right? So, remember the the chick and her and her band that he that she had the 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 girl that like Wayne loved. Yeah. Well, he was one of the guitar players in it. So, like, he kind of paraded around that like I was in that and everything, and I'm like. Claim to fame. Claim to fame. And I'm yeah. like, all right, cool. But this guy has like a lot of different things that he had against. But I remember doing it and he was just saying like, cause he was giving us songs that we didn't want to learn how to play. Like, yeah, and, what the fuck? Yeah. And he goes, and he told us verbatim, he goes, there's things in life that you're going to do and not want to do. And so, and when those things come up, you just got to do them. And I'm like, but I'm paying you to help me learn how to play songs with other people that we want to play songs that we learn how to play and nothing too challenging. And he goes, sorry, we're going to do these songs. Cause you know, parents will like it. And he go, and like, he turned to the parents and they'd be like, yeah, no, it's going to be fun. You're going to have such a great time. And I looked at Zero him and I'm fucks. like, and I'm like, this is some bullshit. Yeah. So, and the one song that really drove us all over the edge was he goes, I want you guys to play sweet child of mine. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I don't want to play this. And that's when everyone that was supposed to play it went, Oh fuck that! We don't want to play that song. Like yeah. Hunter Colton, like none of us wanted to play this, play this song, and we had a demise of like, let's mess this song up as much as we can, make it so that way it's performable, but make but make it sure that we don't want to play it. We played it, and it sucked. Nice because we all tried to suck, but 
one of the kids that was playing, he really knew how to play in solo, and he had a phenomenal solo, but all of us were playing crappy yeah. at the time. And we get off the stage, I remember him going like, what the hell was that? Like, you guys didn't, you, I'm like, we told you we didn't want to play the song. So yeah. this was our retaliation. And after that, we hit off and we became, we became a, became a band after that. And at that time, never, never wrote a single song prior to that. Okay. So this was all when you were like 13? Between 13 and 16. Okay. So, so, so I, that, once you broke off, you started to fall more in love with this and you're like, I want to do this. Right. So I fell in, I fell in love hard with it. Once I was do once I was doing playing, what you wanted do when I was doing that recital, that was such a fun experience because I was like, I've never been around other people that played. Like yeah. I never knew ever. I didn't know what other people's skills were at. And once I was like, we're going to do this band. I was like, sweet. Like, so at 16, we formed this band. I mean, all the guys ranged from like 15 to 14 and I was the oldest at 16 and we, you know, did a, did a band. And at that point I was like, we got to figure out how to write, write a song. Never knew how to do it. Yeah. And the first, the first song I had ever, ever wrote was called you, my best friend and I, and it was a, um, funny, but not funny story. Uh, I can say it now, confidently because my buddy's my buddy's married buddy's married and the other chick that was in the in the story uh she's dating somebody else and this is when we were 14 so this is almost like 10 years ago now it doesn't even count doesn't even count but the story but the story of that song went was is that and basically true both me and my buddy like this girl i said hey i like her first please let me like you know see if she would want to go out with me you know the whole 14 thing like don't take my girl like don't do it and we had gone on my 14th birthday to six flags and we were all hanging out and like we were in line together and and i asked the, i asked the, i asked her and i said you know would would you want to like go out with me or something like that and she got and she was just like no but she goes i, re- I really like to be friends which i'm like oh, it's never gonna happen now but all that time that we were there at the park he had been hitting on with her the entire time behind my back and I never knew that they were like doing like had this little fling all behind my back while I like was like she'll never be with me oh my gosh like just like felt so sad I was like oh at least I'll be friends and then you had right there you had your first inspiration for your first song this is 14 year old love this is where it got worse my sister's birthday came up like a couple weeks later and my phone was broken so I couldn't get in contact with anybody also on my 14th birthday lost my phone on Batman that sucked that sucked because it adds to the story of like i couldn't get in contact with nobody because i didn't know what was going on a couple of weeks went by i'm sitting at tgi fridays nice and i'm sitting there and i and all of a sudden like my parents were like hey isn't that your buddy isn't that your buddy on and i turned i looked back behind my window it's him and the chick holding hands walking down and i already told my parents that i liked her oh. so so the whole thing of like going and like seeing them, oh, I caught him off. I caught him off guard so bad. I walked outside. I was like, I'm gonna beat the shit out of him. I'm like, fuck that guy. I'm like, I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to do it. I'm like, I'm like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it at all. <laughs> so I came up to him, and I just grabbed his hand from behind. And he's like, what? Then he looked at me, blank eyes, just like, shit. And I'm like, hey, so you buddy. wrote. So then you wrote this song. Was this the first song you wrote? It was the first song I wrote. And you wrote this like two years after this. Mm-hmm. Damn, so that brewed. It brewed in you. It brewed in I me. I love that. It I love brewed, that you brewed. have a story for your first song. It's, it was and it's such... so 14-year-old. Oh, my gosh. Just hormone, testosterone-driven, confused love yeah. is your first song. It and was... That's beautiful. <laughs> it was... I love it. And like, I, I remember showing it to the guys, and they were like, what happened? <laughs> they're like, are you okay? You're like, yeah, I'm fine. It's actually not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it's totally fine. Like, we're we're still good friends and everything. So that didn't that didn't stop anything. So uh, fast forward into your band like career. Was this the band that you said you guys broke up because you were the problem? You said that in your email, something like that. Yeah. Now I read that and I thought that was really cool that you were able to say, hey, I was the problem and I wasn't in the right place. Mm-hmm. I just want to know what. I mean, one that takes balls. Good for you for having self awareness like that. But like, how do you, in the midst of a band, because it's so easy to point fingers, how do you take responsibility for something? Like, what was it? What is, what is like the thing that broke up a band? The thing that I probably will say that broke up a 
two bands that I was in, Honest Liars and The Modern Age that I had done, um, and I take my fault in that, is um, I was very narcissistic on how to come about doing a band. Because at the time, I was the one that was actually writing the songs. I yeah. was writing the lyrics, trying to write the guitar parts, trying to figure out the bass parts because I knew how to play bass just a little bit. But I was I was very much of an in control. I was like, if I'm not in control of the situation, then like it's just gonna it's gonna go to shit. So like I was always on top of the guys, like making sure that we did practices, making sure that we got the songs right. But like not even in the sense of like practicing and just being like, all right, we're good to play the show and like let's wing it. I'm like, no, we're gonna practice this like every day, three to four hours. Like we're gonna make sure like we're good. And we were never going to be as super good because, like, we're 16. 16, like, we're young. Like, we're going to mess up a lot. But I was, I had this expectation of everybody of, like, if you're going to be in this band, like, you got to be on top of your game at all times. But I was so rude about going about it where I was just like, like, they are giving their all. They're, they are giving their all. But I'm not looking at that they're giving it their best and we just need to practice more. So that was my biggest thing was just like I wasn't acknowledging that like everyone was putting in the time, but I didn't feel that they were putting in the time. But I wasn't looking at it in the sense of where am I at in my in my life like as a kid? Like what trying, can I expect? Like yeah. what can I expect? Because I wasn't like I will I will not say I am a I am a phenomenal musician, but I know how to play. I know how to play. I know how to do my stuff. So why am I trying to treat these guys like? they need to be like the best professional people ever when I don't even necessarily look at myself as this big professional guy when it comes to playing. I just know how to write, you know, I just know how to write my songs the way that I can play it. So that way I look professional, but in actuality, like I'm writing them as easy as I can. So I don't have to like, you know, do so much technical stuff. So did you make the choice to leave the band or did they kick you out? I mean, how did that work? I mean, uh, or did you know like immediately like hey I'm a problem here and I don't want to do this anymore? Actually, it wasn't even that. I I didn't even acknowledge it then. I more just said the band's done. Like we're not doing it anymore. Like I mm -hmm. made the decision of like we're done with the band. Like I'm just I'm sick, I'm sick later. I'm sick and I'm sick and tired of the frustrations of nobody listening. And I'm just like wow I'm a dick. Like yeah. I shouldn't have done that. Like the worst the worst thing I did, and I am totally cool with saying it because it was a very dickhead thing of me to do was we was in the modern age and i had we had just gotten this new guitarist his name is thomas hopefully you're watching this because i'm making an apology about this too and um he was in the band and he's was way better than i was and he had a lot of he, he was very good about writing songs and he was very quick with playing i was not and i and he wanted to try to come in and take a lead on the band how i felt it was he was taking a lead and i didn't like that at all because i was like ego. i'm like i'm like i started this band you didn't start this band you're trying to bring in these ideas that i don't give a shit about like why are you trying to come in and try to change things up <laughs> um i didn't like his stage presence because we were all like standing like kind of calm playing like because it was kind of it was rock but it wasn't like crazy rock where we were trying to jump around he jumped around like he was like in this insane punk band and i'm like nice. we're not we're like we're not like that so he's just running around the stage just going nuts and we're just like and so i was just like i'm like i don't want him anymore in this band and i kind of talked to the guys i'm like do you even want him in the band and they're kind of like he doesn't necessarily fit quite well in the band and they had a more like conscious way of being like let's let him down like nicely and i said you're like fuck that and i'm like no your ego is just so not, threatened you're like i can't do it easy like, like let's not do it like that and um what happened was is that we were playing at Rock City Studios. Was Rock it Rock City? City? Yeah, Rock City Studios, yeah. And he we were selling tickets and I had told him, I said, Hey man, like be your last show to like play and stuff and whatnot. So like just come down and stuff and you can hang out. And he comes in, he brings all his gear and he's like, Yeah, I sold tickets, like my friends are out here. And I said, You're not playing the show. I said, you need to give the tickets back to your friends. Why? I just didn't want him to play. Oh, man. You yeah. were in a bad place. <laughs> yeah. I Yeah. That's how bad it was. I literally said, like, I really don't want you to play the show. Like, if you need to, go back out there. Tell your friends that, like, you're not playing this. Like, like we don't want you to, like, we don't want you to play. I said we, but I meant I. I was like, I don't really want you to Jesus, play. dude. And he, like, looked at me like, but I remember all the parts and everything. Like, I'm good to play. And I go, still, man, like, I don't want you to play. And that was where 
you know, after not being in a band after that, because that was the last band that I was doing, you know, afterwards, I realized that I, I wasn't a nice person at all. Wow. And I realized that I just wasn't, I, I just wasn't very, I like, all those moments I was like, man, like, I, I really need to like change the way that like I'm, I'm talking to people because that's just, that's not, the problem. There. That's the problem. And I yeah. realized as soon as I like afterwards, I was just like, man, I, I fucked up big time. Like, and I just, it, it just, yeah, I, I, I couldn't be in a band for like over a year because I was just like, I was so worried about that coming back. Cause I don't, yeah. I don't want that to be, you know who I am in a band like you have to have set rules when you're like wanting to do things but like you can't be a dictator at the same time doing a band and that's band what I is you got to work together and that's, that's like the, the and, idea and that's what I was and I was like I really don't want to be like that in a band I don't want to do it anymore yeah. I don't want I don't want to be that guy where you know he can't get along with everybody it has to be his way or the highway you know you just you can't you can't be like that just it, it will destroy you and it will destroy every band that you ever be in if you become that guy i basically was the guy that was at the foundation room drunk off his ass so when i saw the way that he was acting i'm like that's literally me i go i'm looking at a past image of myself and i'm like the child version. i'm like never again never again well shit man i mean dude i can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing all this all this all these stories all this good stuff i like i uh i really really like I like who you are. I like where you're living. I feel like it's uh it's really important, especially in the music and it's just the creative world at all. This this good attitude, this really healthy approach to thing and the fact that you can be aware that sometimes you're not great, you know. So I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing all this. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like it's a pleasure being on here. I've always wanted to be on a podcast. <laughs> well, before we go, I do this with all my guests. Do you have any advice for Maybe a up and coming stage manager or someone that's just got involved with some uh, a venue type thing or someone in a band. You know what? Do you have a piece of advice for the younger generation? I young? will. I will say, what helps me out because stage manage stage managing and all that stuff is something that I did briefly for a moment as a as a musician. Um, when it comes to writing songs, this is how I kind of have told people: if you are ever going to, um. When you're starting to write a song, you've never written a song before. You just need to put pen to paper and just start writing. Doesn't matter what it is, just let it out. Because every whenever I've learned how to write, you just have to start writing and know that a lot of it's gonna be crap. It's going to be crap. And you just you run through the list. You just go, you just write and write and write. Don't make it doesn't have to make any sense. But maybe Two lines of whatever you're gonna write will make right will make yeah. it'll make sense. And once you find that, take that and then that and start making a song. And I always tell people, you just need to you you just need to empty out your brain. <laughs> kind of like jotting like down that. notes. You just need to write everything out that's going on in your head and something will click. And once that clicks, you got a song going. It might be a couple couple verses, but like yeah. you you have something. And I feel like that's a big thing with people. It's like don't feel discouraged when all your writing is crap because that, because it's the same thing when someone's trying to find gold. You're gonna find a lot of dirt, but in that, you'll like find that a little manager. bit. You'll find a little bit of gold in there. So don't be discouraged when all you find is dirt. You're gonna find gold in there, but it takes a lot of dirt. It takes a <laughs> lot, a lot of dirt. So that's my that's my take on it. I like that analogy, man. I like it. Well, rock and roll thing. Yeah. Thomas Wood, everybody. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Peace. Peace.